Hello and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers. I'm Lauren Hansen, an editor at The Week, and today I'd like to get to the bottom of America's flood epidemic. The disaster here is staggering by every measure. In August 2017, Hurricane Harvey pummeled southern Texas, causing apocalyptic flooding in Houston, which is already susceptible to dangerously rising levels of water. National Weather Service already calling the storm unprecedented and beyond anything experienced. Harvey was actually Houston's third 500-year flood in just three years. A 500-year flood theoretically has a 1 in 500 chance of happening in any given year. Those do not seem to be Houston's odds. Flooding is the most costly type of natural disaster in the United States. It is responsible for an average of 140 deaths and $6 billion worth of damage each year. And it only seems to be getting worse. Around the world, extreme rainstorms have increased more than a third since the early 1980s. Coastal cities like Miami Beach in Florida have experienced 33 flood events in a seven-year period. The previous seven-year period saw only 16 floods. By the middle of the century, a majority of America's coastal areas could suffer 30 or more days of flooding each year. The spike in flooding events is due to climate change. As glaciers and ice caps melt in warmer temperatures, sea levels rise, making storm surges along coastal areas exceptionally worse. Warmer oceans also evaporate faster, and warmer air can hold a lot more moisture, which means those big, Harvey-type storms can absorb and dump larger volumes of water. And higher sea temperatures only feed those brewing storms. Global warming may have also weakened the prevailing winds that move weather systems around. This exacerbates heavy rainstorms, heat spells, droughts, and other extremes. This phenomenon might have been why Harvey was essentially parked over Houston for five days. The most vulnerable areas are largely on the Gulf and Atlantic coasts. Prime target cities include Boston, New York, Miami Beach, and New Orleans. But it's not just about location. Overdevelopment is also a contributor to flooding. When cities spread out across large areas, developers often pave over the grasslands and wetlands that would otherwise absorb excess water. Let's look at Houston again. In the nation's fourth largest city, floods are a way of life. Houston has no citywide zoning laws. Between 1992 and 2010, the oil and gas hub laid concrete over 30 percent of its surrounding wetlands. That accounts for a 25,000-acre loss. To make matters worse, a lot of this expansion has been in flood-prone areas. In less than a decade, at least 7,000 residential buildings have gone up in Houston's flood zones. For those who don't have to worry about flooding, it may seem like a strange gamble for homeowners to build in flood-prone areas in the first place. But homeowners feel more and more emboldened to build in at-risk areas and to even rebuild again and again because of insurance. Normal homeowners' policies don't cover flooding, but the government offers something called the National Flood Insurance Program. This sells artificially cheap premiums to residents and businesses in at-risk areas. 
The policies generously pay out up to a quarter million for property damage and $100,000 for destroyed contents. The program is incredibly popular, covering about half of all properties in the country's 100-year floodplains. So people have this false sense of security to build and rebuild and rebuild at what ends up being a huge loss for everyone involved. The National Flood Insurance Program insures something like 30,000 severe repetitive loss properties. Those are homes that have been rebuilt at least four times. One Mississippi home has flooded 34 times. The house is only valued at $69,000, but it has accumulated more than $650,000 in claims. Meanwhile, the National Flood Insurance Program is almost $25 billion in debt. If homeowners had to pay the full cost of a risk, they might be discouraged from living in such risky areas. Now, Congress has tried to overhaul the National Flood Insurance Program, most recently with a bill that would have forced premiums to reflect risk. But under huge amounts of pressure from homeowners and developers, those changes were essentially reversed. But cities are also stepping in. Some cities have tried to buy up and demolish properties in flood zones. Others have enacted tougher building codes and erected warning signs to show how high previous floods have risen. But again, these cities often face such fierce resistance from developers and politicians that they back down. Then there's the politics of climate change. Florida's Republican Governor Rick Scott reportedly prohibited the more than 3,000 employees in the state's Department of Environmental Protection from using the words climate change and global warming in any official communication. This directive got a little awkward during a 2015 public hearing when senators pressed the governor's emergency management director to say those very words. Are you familiar with the new uh, procedures that FEMA issued just this week dealing with uh, climate change, demanding that states have a climate change plan? In the next iterations of them, will require to have uh, language to that effect. What were those words, Mr. Chairman? And yet the storms keep coming. Just two weeks after Harvey pummeled Houston, Florida was hit by Hurricane Irma. Irma is churning into the deep south tonight after moving up the entire peninsula of Florida. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, theweek.com, or wherever you listen. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening. 